You are joining Talking Neoteric, a podcast that advocates for and shares new ideas, ways of thinking and doing about who we are, what we do and where we do it. Talking Neoteric spotlights creative practitioners, sharing their work and practices, each demonstrating their reach far beyond the arts with contributions to the broader health, livability and prosperity of regional Queensland. This morning, I have travelled onto the lands of the Tarabalang Bunda, Garang, Garang Garang and Bayili people. I've travelled to the coastal community of Gladstone and I'm now sitting in the studio with William Dubois at what is known as Crow Street Creative and home of his Photopia studio as well. Morning, William. Good morning. It's, um, it's incredible to be back here with you and we're sitting in a loft office um, and below us is, is a studio space. So describe to us where we are. Well, we are in the um, industrial part of, uh, of Gladstone. Uh, most of the businesses around here are either car mechanics or um, recycling centres, you know, electrical stores. Um, but this is basically a place that is um, affordable, that is really big, and it looks like a very big shed. It would be what you would expect a, a car mechanics to operate from. For me, that's, um, that's basically plenty of space to play with when I need to do uh, photo shoots. Um, also allows us to, to have other users, you know, people like um, yoga classes or we've got board games night every month. And it's a space that is so versatile that um, you can experiment with, um, with new ideas. You can put hang pictures on the wall. We used to have exhibitions. Um, and it's a, it's a completely open space, basically. And so what do you do here? You're one of many creatives um, in this sort of block of sheds. What is it that you do here in your creative and, and commercial practice? So the commercial business is called Photopia Studio and we do um, obviously commercial photography, pretty much every aspect of it, meaning that we work a lot with um, local businesses, local industry, we work a lot with um, real estate agents, uh, also community groups. I, I try to have a, a big, um, a large part of my work needs to be community focused because that's what I like doing. Um, so doing a fair bit of work with uh, non-profit organizations, other artists. Um, it's what you would basically call a, a generic or ge general, a general sort of, uh, art practice or commercial photography practice. We also do a lot of video, um, that's quite recent. And the video project, we tend to focus on our, our storytelling. So a lot of interviews, um, doing work with the um, regional council on series like Our Priceless Past, which tells the stories of um, our seniors. And anything that um, doesn't really, that cannot be done with an iPhone, basically, uh, where a little bit more work is involved. And so you've mentioned that you really enjoy working on community projects um, and yet yeah, just some of the projects like Our Priceless Past. So what are these? How, how do they come about from, from a commercial lens? These are driven um, by the client? 
Well, no, actually. With the video work, what's quite wonderful is that we often get given, um, you know, almost a blank check, you know. Um, we can't do everything we want, but within the actual um, projects of limits and within the brief, we have a lot of leeway. We can actually put a lot of ideas on the table that, um, that you know, the, the, the client in that particular case uh, for our priceless partner would be the council. Um, ideas that they wouldn't have thought of. And they come to us because they know that they will get something that um, will be engaging and not necessarily formulaic. So each time we produce a, uh, a priceless pass video, we try to find ways of um, really aligning the work we do with the personality of the, um, of the person who's, who's talking, who's telling their story. And that's a really big aspect for me because I don't believe that um, we should use any formula. We should just go with the flow, basically. And so what are these communities that you're working with in Gladstone, like who who lives and works, and whose stories are you telling? So Gladstone is actually um, is a is a very old community in the sense that it was founded in the um, it's of late nineteenth uh, century, and it thrives through uh, to start with a meat exports. You know the, the harbour has always been extremely busy, um, so you've got a lot of uh, generations that have been here. You know for you know, since since the uh, the late 1900s, but they they also have seen a lot of fluctuation in terms of population. They've seen people come and go because loads of projects have come to Gladstone over the uh, over the decades. Um, so it's a mix of people who've only been here maybe 10 years, 20 years, and people who've literally seen uh, the, the the refinery like QL being built in in the 60s, for example. Um, there's a lot of there's a lot of young people. The schools are quite big here, um, so it's a, it's it's really hard to describe exactly what population you can expect here. It's a real mixed bag. Yeah, and I guess yeah, it's as you describe, it's a thriving, world class sort of engineering, construction, manufacturing um, town. I guess from an outsider's view. It's not somewhere that you think, oh, I've got a creative practice. I'm going to live and work in Gladstone. What what happens in the cultural scene in Gladstone? What what venues are there? Um, and how yeah, how have you found sort of creating and and sustaining a practice here? So I think like the cultural cultural life in Gladstone is a little bit like the. Um the industrial life, you know, it, it goes in cycles. At the moment, we we can see that um, the theatre, for example, GCC, is is extremely active. They really do a lot of work to bring in new acts, um, put up productions, and so on. But you don't see quite as many, say, um, venues for music. Um, but at the same time, we see that there's a very very vivid visual arts community in the sense that we've got. Um, uh, arts Matters, which is a, uh, a center for um, visual arts, mostly mostly paintings, and they do a lot of work with the local community to to teach new practices, to teach new things, um, and they work very closely with the, um, the regional art gallery to to put out shows. To you know, so there's a there's a real there's definitely a, an artistic life, and if you're a new artist coming to Glaston, you wouldn't feel lost. You wouldn't feel isolated very quickly you'll make connections yeah and as you described there's sort of like these these hubs that have been created 
by the community as well and and more pop up um, like the blue mirror uh, space as well and these are these are not I guess government operated supported instigated um, incentives these are these are community people that that are saying there's a need there's a desire do you think there's a level of sort of entrepreneurship and and ingenuity that's happening in Gladstone because it has this sort of business um, industry lens as well? Yeah, it's this um, strange thing. I mean, my business is actually quite typical of this where uh, my personal art practice does require funding and that funding doesn't systematically come from grants. It, it also comes a lot from the commercial work I do. Um, and that that's also probably the case with uh, places like the Bromira, which is also attached to um, a surveying company, I believe. So, you know, one will feed the other, basically. Um, and that's, that's, quite, that's quite common in Gladstone. Um, you wouldn't necessarily expect an art practice to be completely based on, on grants. They do get money from commercial activities as well. And so, yeah, I guess even looking at your practice, you have this, you have this commercial practice um, that actually does still support a little bit of creative input which is incredible and then you have your pure creative practice so how do you describe and what is the aims of that pure creative practice i think there's a my personal practice as an artist really comes out of need to to have a mean of expression and is not driven by purpose it sounds odd because it's the art does have a purpose, but at the same time, there's no, uh, the outcome doesn't have to be something that um, satisfies a, a brief. And that's important as a, as an artist that sometimes I get to do things that will not sell, will not have any commercial value. Um, and to do that, basically, I do need the support of, you know, something I will generate income. Um, but at the same time, you know, occasionally throughout the years, you know, there's been a few times where the business wasn't necessarily performing quite as well, and actually, and and the money I was bringing in as a as an artist through grants and uh, residencies would actually feed back into the business and and allow me to carry on employing people. Yeah. And what a lovely synergy between the two because they do sort of ebb and flow and cross cut um, to each other. They're not like, you know operating a machinery business and then having a having a cake business like there are complementary um, elements to your commercial and your creative practice as well that's right and and progressively I can also see that people will come to me as a commercial photographer because of the the, the, the work I do as an artist I mean one of the again one of the good examples of this is uh, is the, the the priceless bar series where um, the, the I consider myself to be a people's photographer I, I, I take portraits um, even if it doesn't mean that people are in it it's just you know it's describing situations and identifying the people who might be in that situation even if, if they're not there and I think people come to me because they recognize that um, I may have a capacity to tell stories tell people's stories um, so progressively I can see how my personal practice has allowed me to get jobs that are relatively well paid and and to feed that cycle um so it does it there's a gain there definitely and then talking about telling people's stories 
Um, I think the last time we caught up was just around the corner. I guess Everest just around the corner in Gladstone. But it was the opening of your exhibition, Sacrifice, um, at the regional gallery here. And, I mean, Sacrifice is all about telling people's stories. Um, and this is, an, this is an exhibition, a body of work, that you've been living and breathing for a number of years. What is Sacrifice? What is Sacrifice as your creative project? So Sacrifice is a, um, a portrait photography and storytelling project where I collect stories of sacrifice from people I meet. Sometimes it's prearranged, sometimes it's just completely random. And each time I ask them a couple of questions, which are um, what does sacrifice mean to you and what sacrifice have you made? And I collect the stories either through video or just recording texts recording audio um, and I photograph the, the people in, um, in pretty much the same way every single time. Um, well, with the same equipment. So it's shot on film with the same camera. Um, it's in black and white in large majority of cases. And I use the same backdrop. Uh, the backdrop is always visible, but it's not always um, obvious. Occasionally the surrounding um, of the person I photograph has to be you know, more present so I put a, I relegate the background to a background in a sense. Um, but overall, the story, the, the, what I'm trying to do with sacrifice is um, almost establish a, um, it's almost a survey system where you're trying to collect as many potential understandings or, or perceptions or interpretation of the notion of sacrifice. And it varies massively. It's a very, a very simple word that has many different definitions and it's almost as individual as people. And it's been somewhat of a journey. Um, started in 2021 and geographically you've, you've travelled far down the East Coast. Um, can you tell us about yeah, some of that travel and that journey and the people you've met and some of the standout stories? Yeah, initially the the project was planned as a road trip. Um, it ended up happening in um, at the start of 2021, and I took more all my equipment, all the equipment I needed, uh, travel from Melbourne back up to Glaston, stopping along the way. So along the way, I met loads of different people. Again, sometimes prearranged, sometimes just random. Um, and when got, when I got back to to Gladstone, what, what I realized is that it was only really a start, you know, obviously I, I didn't know that when I, when I started the trip, I thought, okay, I'm just going to do this thing, you know, it's going to take 10 days and I've got a body of work at the end of it, but it felt, um, incomplete. Um, and it still in a sense feels incomplete. I'm, I keep, I keep adding to it, but the project is kind of being adapted to, to fit, um, artist residencies. I've done one uh, at the end of last year in Rockhampton at um, Benevolent Living. And each time it adds to the whole concept of, you know, every person has got a different definition of, of sacrifice and has got a different experience of it. Um, so it's almost never ending really. But at some stage you'll have to say, okay, well, let's move on. And what are you learning from this project? Like that's, a, that's an in-depth part of your life and it's taking not only years, but focus you're you're giving so much to community by giving this sort of lens this reflection this mirror to understand what sacrifice is but by living and breathing it for a number of years what are you learning from it 
Um, humility. I think I'm just learning that um, there's absolutely no point judging anything or anyone, basically, that in most cases will be wrong. You know, there's basically, there's absolutely no way I can assume what the story of sacrifice might be when I, when I meet people. And so far, I've, yeah, I've not been able to guess what people were going to say. Absolutely, it's impossible. So that, that makes it really, really exciting. Um, also, not trying to fit the, the project into a, a sense of value. I mean, basically not having any sense of value when collecting the stories is really important. And thinking that um, something I might feel uninteresting someone will still be connecting to somebody else. Um, one of the one of the examples is basically meeting somebody who's I just assumed to be, um, you know, a, a, a just general worker and basically told me about all of his, you know, his past life as a as, a, as an army officer, and um, it, it was absolutely fascinating. But at the same time, I couldn't really do anything with that story because um, it didn't actually let me use it. But, you know, it's one example where people actually, you know, feel that it's too personal, it can't be, it can't be broadcast, it can't be put out there, So, and I just have to respect that. Have you found, like, intersections between, you know, working with community being a documentary sort of portrait photographer and those elements of health, well-being, like it sounds like people are really sharing deeply with you. Um, yeah, have you noticed that crossover between art, health, well-being? Yeah, it's very strange because the you would expect that I'm um, bothering them in a sense. I'm, I'm being um, a little bit too much in their face by asking them to share these things. But the reality is that... To be honest, very few people actually ask, get asked many, meaningful questions. You know, it's actually quite rare to have a complete stranger come up to you and ask something that, is, you know, will force you to think a bit hard about what you are and what you've experienced without any sort of judgment or, or preconception. So just the fact that it's kind of unusual to, to go up to stranger like this basically means that it's almost like people don't know how to refuse because it's such a very weird situation um, and I yeah I do perceive the fact that it can help them a little bit sometimes to actually be able to reflect on what they've um, what they've experienced and how sacrifice has connected with them has affected them um, but I'm not I'm not a therapist you know I'm, I don't do it because it helps people I think it's um, it's a bit more complex than that. I'm, I'm not a benefactor. No. And I guess we live in such a transactional world. You know, sometimes the conversation we're having, it wouldn't be face-to-face. -face. It, it might be over phone or it might be over written form. I guess that, that opportunity to stop and connect and give someone the time and space to, yeah, to really share, there's a lot of value um, in that given that, we're so time poor, we really don't give time in our busy lives for one-on-one -on -one conversations and connections. That, that's, that's right, yes, absolutely. And in large majority of cases, that happens quite naturally. Um, people sometimes need to, sometimes to think, they need to be able to write it down, and they, they will send a story later. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes um, I've had a few occasions where I just couldn't collect a story, you know, I took I took portraits, but the story never came. 
um, and I don't really know why. It just um, just happens like this. So even if people accept you before a work, it doesn't mean that they want to share the story either. And so in that artistic work, you've got the sort of big body of sacrifice that you've been working on for a number of years, and then you've got our priceless past. Um, are there projects that you've had, that you've worked on in the past or that you're looking forward to in the future that really enable that that creative value that you have? Yeah, so a, a recent change really is the, the seeing that I've got, I now have multiple things on the go at once when before I would probably work on an artistic project and um, and work on that for a few months. In the case of Sacrifice, it would be a few years. Um, now I find myself being able to plan the next step, the next projects sort of earlier than before. Um, and for commercial work, it's exactly the same. Basically, we, we, we are looking now at sort of things that will happen at the end of this year or at the start of next year. A big change was the um, getting the uh, exhibition tour for Sacrifice across Queensland. It meant that basically then we had some kind of milestones or had milestones that I could look forward to and I could put in my diary and I knew that, okay, in August we've got um, the exhibition in, uh, in, in Bundaberg and then that will be um, followed by Springshaw and then it will be followed by Biloela and all of these things basically allows me to, to say, okay, for these periods I'm not going to be available for commercial work. And before it was very much, you know, this kind of anxiety inducing or oh, what's coming next, <laughs> you know, never knowing whether you can fit it in or, uh, and it's, it's, it's good, but that's basically again, down to work, it's down to planning, it's down to thinking, okay, what exactly could be happening next year? So now that we sort of looked at, yeah, what you've worked on in the past, what's, what's coming up? Where can we find you? What are you working on? Um, so... I'm planning a few things because planning is very, very important um, and it's work and you have to do it. And what I'm working on is basically residencies at the moment. Um, I've been incredibly lucky to to have people accept to take me on as, a, as an artist to do residencies. Um, the, the first really major one is the Margaret Holly, Holly um, residency in Rockhampton. That's, uh, that's four weeks of having the freedom to experiment and to do whatever um, I want <laughs> uh, with no pressure, which is just incredible. And then I'm, I'm, I'm pitching, I'm, I'm applying for grants to, to do other residencies, one in Bundaberg. There's other projects I'm kind of working on alongside Sacrifice as well is something called Revivre, which is uh, French for to live again, which is a slightly kind of obsessive project done in a, with some equipment that shouldn't be working. Um, I can't say much, but I've shared a few things on my Instagram account, which is just William underscore the boy. Um, that's, uh, that's something that excites me. I've absolutely no idea whether anyone is going to like it. And to be honest, it doesn't really matter. I mean, you know, we don't, we can't do things for people. It's not possible. Um, that's about it. But yeah, I've, I'm having to plan ahead you know, into next year, just because um, it is the only way to work as an artist, basically, and to to be sustainable, really. Well, it's had been a wonderful morning um, with you, William. So thank you, thank you for catching up, um, and yeah, look forward to what you've got ahead. Thank you for joining Talking Neoteric. 
a podcast that shares new ways of thinking and doing through the lens of visual artists and arts workers. Listen in next episode to see where Talking Neoteric is in Queensland and who joins the conversation. Talking Neoteric is curated by Bianca Simovic with production by Ashley Salter. This project was made possible through the Australian Government's Regional Arts Fund, funding through the Regional Arts Australia, administered by Flying Arts Alliance.